Um, some months ago, we asked you lot to, um, to feed back to us as leaders in one word or single word responses what you thought our strengths were going to be and, and what you thought are, are the characteristics of who we are as a church. And if you'd forgotten about it, oh, thanks, Graham, you've done a great job. Um, that is the infographic that came back from us, from you. Uh, we put it in there. Let me oh, kick over the water. There we go. Uh, obviously, the bigger the word, the words, the, the more that those featured in the responses. So welcoming, lovely, uh, loving, friendly, family, caring, diverse. Um, and what I also liked is the fact that we also asked you for some aspirational words of, um, of, of, of what you'd like us to be, and, and that came there. So um, we've got some work to do, yeah? We're not perfect. We wouldn't ever claim to be perfect. But what we did as leaders is that we, um, we put together some words and added some of the, the original ones bef- before um, and so we've been speaking about being a prophetic, apostolic, a gracious church, a diverse church, welcoming church, and caring church. And, and what we're praying for and what we're hoping is that these words uh, will, will form our culture. Um, they already do because you're what you've told us is the characteristics of who we are. So they already do. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just seeing those outworked in our, in our church culture more and more. And, you know, we've said it before, culture, people have said that culture is the way that we do things. But my understanding is that it's also an agricultural word. And meaning the types of nutrients and soil that enable something to grow and flourish. You know, I'm not a very good gardener. I've got a lot to learn as far as gardening is concerned. Um, but it's creating that environment where plants will flourish. And we want to do that for each one of us. And just as an aside from Nancy's word, um, you know, Jesus, when Jesus preached, he didn't go around looking for people who had the right characteristics, who he then thought, oh, you'll make a good Christian, I'll go and talk to you. The simple fact is that Christians or the gospelized community, this new humanity, it didn't exist yet. So they, they didn't exist. So he went around and preached and talked to whoever would listen to him. And wherever he, he spoke, that seed would sow into people's hearts and it would grow and spring forth into life. And that is what we want. And that is why we go out on the streets and the healing on the streets. Is we don't know who's going to respond. Um, uh, in fact, most of the time, the people who do respond are the last people that you'd look at that think, oh, they will respond. It just doesn't work like that. You just cannot gauge who will receive Jesus and who won't. And so, you know, being willing just to share our faith. So, 
caring was one of the words that came through. And the truth is that you lot are a caring community. I mean, I sat down and tried to figure out all the things that we're involved in. And, you know, you, you do a lot. You're already, and that's not included um, the thing, uh, quite a lot of things that you're each involved in. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking about men's shed and, uh, and other bits and pieces. Um, there's a lot that goes on that you, hub church people, are involved in. Um, you know, there's, there's the nightlight winter shelter. There's the, um, you know, the English cafe, which I've put up there. We've got the chaplains, the street pastors who go out at daft o'clock every Friday and Saturday night, who I think are mad. But there's something that motivates them to do that. Isn't that amazing? You know, when the rest of us are tucked up in bed at three o'clock in the morning, they're still out there. Isn't that amazing? I think it is. And, and so, you know, I'd like you to give you a, yourselves a, a pat on the back. I think you do a great job, all the ways that you care for one another. It is amazing. And, uh, and so you might think that I might just want to sit down at this point. And I did think that sitting down, I think, you know, I'm, I've got a lot to learn from you guys. You know, with Andy and Di, with, you know, with, the, with all the people that you're speaking to, with the asylum seekers. Amazing. It's just wonderful. Uh, but you know it's not going to happen, right? Don't you? I'm not going to just sit down now and say thank you. So, uh, but, and the reason is, uh, is that you might have been here um, where, uh, at the Sarum Hill when we had the One Church meeting. You might have been um, with, with Deborah Green. And she prophesied over Andy. We had that uh, meeting uh, our communication evening where we, where we shared it. And I'd like to share that prophetic word again. And the reason is, is that God hasn't finished with us yet. There's a lot more. So can I ask you to play that prophetic word? Lord, just as you interrupted, um, we had the weather interrupting today and it was torrential. But Lord... You are sending your fire. You're sending your fire. And these guys have been waiting for this move that's coming now for them for a long time. There's There's a new apostolic mantle on you that I can see. And it's the almost to the extent of where Moses parts the Red Sea. It's that kind of mantle. So it's the sort of mantle where you can look in front of you and see there's no way back, there's no way forward. The sea's there. The only option is the parting of the sea. And you've got to stretch out your hand, Andy. And as you stretch forth your hand, just as it was with Moses, that's when you're going to see parted. And this is to do with God taking you into a different place. 
Where you are now is temporary home. There's a new place that he has for you. And I started to speak about it today when I showed you the picture of the fuse. I did that deliberately because I knew God was going to give you somewhere. And I can really see that this is not just a building for the sake of a building. This is because of a ministry that you guys are carrying in your heart. And uh, I want to call it a school of ministry, because that's what I heard this afternoon. I heard school of ministry, and this is to do with the training and equipping of people to go out and reach uh, places in Jesus' name. There's a strong anointing on you, not, this does sound a bit rude, not just to lead hub community church but to expand and extend God's kingdom and to to lead this school of ministry so that is why the parting of the water is going to be needed because God is taking you into new territory and there's an anointing coming on your church not just on you and we just prophesy over hub community church we say, be blessed. Yeah. And the scripture that I have for you is Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord yeah. is upon you, for he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And we just declare the year of the favor of the Lord on them, that they would just flow in this ministry, the oil of joy for the spirit of despair, the mantle of praise, the garment of praise. Father, thank you, Lord, that you are releasing over them a ministry where they will be brokenhearted for that which breaks your heart, that they will not rest until they see you move, and that they will really be those people who will carry the anointing for the poor. The poor, that is God's anointing for you. Uh, food banks, other ministries are going to rise up amongst you. There's going to be mercy ministries rising up amongst you and the equipping of others in mercy ministries. So we just bless this community of people. Get ready to expand. Get ready to enlarge. Get ready for growth, not just for the sake of church growth, but for the sake of kingdom growth. Get ready to feed the poor. Get ready to clothe the naked. Get ready to distribute that which God has given to you and see the multiplication happening and the baskets left over. We just pray in Jesus' name a blessing on them. We cheer them on as one church basically. Praise God. Praise God. So, you know, God has more for us. And um, if you want, that was a word from a lady called Deborah Green, who leads an amazing ministry up in Manchester. Um, she, um, she arranges, has people working for her who help the, the unemployed back into work. She has um, an amazing, amazing ministry. She was given this five million pound building for nothing. Um, and, and so, 
you know, she mentioned about a new building for us. Well, you know, don't worry, we're not running out of here just yet. So you don't have to think it's going to happen immediately. But it's great to know that God has a plan for us. That God has a purpose for us. He's got a calling upon us. And these mercy ministries, how amazing. God is leading us into deeper ways. And so, as I've been preparing for this talk this morning, um, I'm talking to a bunch who already care. I know that. And I'm, I've got lots to learn from you guys. Uh, the way that you care for one another pastorally is, is, is brilliant. I, uh, you're just fantastic. But there have been two words that have been stirring in my heart for uh, quite some weeks now as I've been thinking about this, this talk. Uh, the first is, and you might wonder why I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent, but then I hope you'll see why. Uh, the first is righteousness, and the second is mercy. So bear with me. Now, righteousness. Righteousness is, in the Collins Dictionary, says, in accordance with an accepted standard of moralness or uprightness. I'm not too sure on that one. The Collins Dictionary also has better adjectives in its thesaurus. Virtuous, blameless, equitable, ethical, fair, good, honest, honorable, just, law-abiding, moral, pure, upright, and squeaky clean. I don't know about you, but I don't know. I love some of those phrases, and I think they are who they describe as. I don't know whether I could say I was squeaky clean. I did, I did, I did for a second think about getting some kind of toy that I could play halfway through. I think, oh, that must be me. But um, no, I don't think that I describe myself as as squeaky clean. But I think. These, verses, these adjectives are great, but I don't think they get quite to the heart of why we do things, why we are law-abiding, why we're good, why we're honest, why we're honourable. And what the dictionary is missing is our relationship. Righteousness starts with a relationship, doesn't it? It starts with a relationship with the King of Kings. And the Sermon on the Mount is all about how we live in relationship. It's right relatedness with our Lord. It's not just about the Sermon on the Mount. It's not just about how we pray, how we fast, how we give, how we live. But it's, we are living as a heavenly focused people, aren't we? Our eyes are fixed upon our God. He is at the heart of all that we do. Now, we all know we're not perfect. And I'm not standing here saying that I'm perfect or you're perfect. We know that just isn't true. We make mistakes, but we seek our God. We look to him. And when we do make mistakes, he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, I found this lovely phrase from Thomas Aquinas said, love is the choice to will the good of the other. The choice to will the good of the other. 
And so if you applied that to Scripture, that, is, that meaning of love is the agape love. And we, we apply that to Scripture. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him might have eternal life. For God, for God so loved, he willed so much for the good of each one of us that he was willing to give his own son to see us benefit from that, to come into living relationship with him. He cares for us. And righteousness is therefore about being in and living in right relationship with the Father. Matthew 6 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything that we need, this is my paraphrase, everything that we need will be given to us. If we put him first, then everything that we need. Might not be everything we want. You know, Ferraris, sorry, it's not going to happen. But everything we need. So in the context of caring, God cares for us. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones had said that there are at least three forms of righteousness. Um, A quick apology to some of the guys that have been in my Beatitudes group. You've seen this before. Um, Three, at least three types of righteousness. There's a legal righteousness. And what I mean by that is the justification, the, the fact that Jesus has paid the price for each one of us. That's a legal uh, term almost, a justification. He's paid the price for us. There's a moral righteousness, a righteousness of character and conduct in how we speak and act, an inner righteousness of heart, mind, and motive. And this is where you find the fourth beatitude says, Blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. As we seek him first, he'll fill us. It's a promise. And the third righteousness is a social righteousness. Seeking humanity's liberation from oppression, promoting civil rights, responsible care for the planet, justice in the law courts, integrity in business dealings, and honour in the home and family affairs. And there's almost like a progression, I feel, that that we come into relationship with Jesus. Our hearts seek after him. And he leads us in how we seek humanity's liberation from oppression. How we've seen that with the asylum seekers. Seeking their liberation from oppression. What amazing God we have. He has touched our hearts, brought us into a living relationship with us. And he draws our hearts to seek after him. And we are gospelized people. We have the good news. And then he moves us to care for those around us. Now, incidentally, throughout the ages, the Greek word that has been translated as righteousness. Um, I should have put it on a slide because I've struggled to pronounce it. Uh, can also be translated as justice. 
And so that radically transforms the fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Caring, seeking the good of another. So having heard, um, you know, that, that prophetic word, you know, God has got work for us to do. So to the second word that I've been mulling about. It's all about mercy. You know, within our church, caring for one another may mean opening your home in hospitality, as we've heard. Uh, Helping those in need. Praying for one another. Praying for those people outside the church. Using our resources and gifting to help those around us. You know, the, the possibilities of how we can care for people in our fellowship and around us is endless because our God is just too big. Our God will prompt us. We want to be people moved by the Holy Spirit and the presence of God within us as we seek his kingdom first to make a step of faith and step out. So this second word, Mercy. John Stott says that mercy is compassion for people in need. Now, these are big words, aren't they? Righteousness and mercy. Mercy comes from the heart of God. The different words in the Old Testament for mercy to be gracious. To be kind and compassionate, to take pity. And in Exodus, let me find it, Exodus 34, verse 6, this is how God describes himself. Here we go, don't need that. This is when God passes in front of Moses. And And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That is how God describes himself. Slow to anger. The compassionate and gracious God, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. That is the God that we worship. And Jesus, when Jesus encountered the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors and was criticized for doing so, he quoted Isaiah verse six, chapter 6, verse 6, and said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He showed the kindness and compassion of the Father. You know, I was one of the books that I've read quoted this chap, Hendrik Nicklays, I think that's how you'd call his name, in the 1600s. And that's how he described mercy, stretching out the hand. Stretching out the hand to those in need, 
taking action. Mercy is all about kindness and compassion. Often we think about mercy to, uh, as referring to forgiving the offender, isn't it? Forgiveness of the sinner, because we can look at ourselves and think, God has shown mercy to me. But mercy is also about those in need and welcoming the outsider. Those three things, to those in mercy, showing kindness and compassion, to those in need, forgiving the offender and welcoming the outsider, have been how mercy has been seen throughout the centuries. Oh, I thought I'd put another slide in there. Martin Luther said that mercy was righteousness in action. So caring. You know, I know that you lot are a caring bunch because I've received that love and care from you. But God has more from us. And there's no good me turning around and trying to beat you up and say, you need to be more caring. I, that is, would be such a ridiculous thing for me to do. And so, as I draw to a close, you know, I just want to refer to the, the greatest parable that refers to this subject. And you all might have heard of it. It's called the Good Samaritan. And this chap, the Samaritan, he didn't need to know why the chap was beaten up. He didn't ask him, well, did you cause it on your, did you bring it on yourself? You know, what were you doing? Why did they, why were you beaten up? He didn't need to know that fact and Jesus didn't feel that we needed to, to hear that. But unlike the priest, the good Samaritan was willing to touch the beaten man and unlike the Levite, the Samaritan was seemed to was willing to stop even though he could be beaten up by the same people that beat up the Samaritan. They could come back and take it out on him too. He was willing to invest his resources and time to care when everybody would have assumed that the man that he was caring for was his enemy. Jesus was moved Um, You know, that Samaritan, rather, was moved with compassion. And Jesus was moved with compassion. As Margie said today, um, every time Jesus was moved with compassion, a miracle happened. Just think about that for a minute. Every time he was moved with compassion, something miraculous happened. He fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. Blind were healed. And compassion will lead us to do miraculous things because it's out of God's heart. So I do believe that God has more for us. He hasn't finished with us. There's so much more. These mercy ministries, being kind and compassionate, That's what mercy means. And so, I had that last slide. What could mercy ministries 
mean for us? You know, I, I'd love to pray that God would just reveal that to us and just draw us after him and speak to our hearts and lead us in all that he has for us. So let me pray. Father, we want to thank you. I want to thank you, Lord, for this caring group of people here, your body here, your hub church. Father, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. But our heart is after you. And Lord, I do pray, Lord, that in line with your prophetic word, Lord, you've said that there are mercy ministries for us to outwork. Lord, I pray that you would have your way amongst us. Lord, that we would see those bear fruit and come to fruition. Lord, will you do that, Lord? Have your way amongst us, I pray. That us as a caring group would outwork that. In Jesus' name. Amen.